going to make one statement at the beginning. I've kind of misled you. I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, <clears throat> but I'd forgotten that there is a spot that tells us exactly how old Joseph was. And at this time in prison, Joseph is 30 years old. When, when was his two dreams about the sun, moon, and the stars bowing down to him? He was 17. He was a 17-year-old kid. So 13 years have passed, all right? So I've been saying 30, but I'm sorry about that. Uh, but 13 years as a slave and in prison, still a long time. Would you agree with that? And he's going to start his whole new ministry at age 30. Do you know anybody else that started their ministry at 30? Jesus did. Yeah, it's just interesting uh, parallel there. But 13 years have now passed from the time that Joseph had a vision of the sun, the moon, and the stars, his his siblings, mom and dad bowing down to him, his brothers hating him, his brothers wanting to kill him, throwing him into a well, selling him into slavery, being falsely accused of rape, ends up in prison. The prison's baker and wine, wine server end up with him, and he gets them both released, and he said, the only thing I ask you to do is not forget me. And... They did forget him until two years later and two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and Pharaoh starts pressuring all of their magicians. Remember, the Egyptians worship 2000 different gods. It's very similar to our culture today where people will worship anything and everything except the one true living God. But all of a sudden, a light bulb goes off in the wine carrier's hand and he goes, oh, my goodness, I do know a guy who can interpret dreams, and he represents the living God, the true God. Now, you got to know, this whole story is flying in the face of Egyptians, all right? 2,000 gods, but the number one God is the one they're talking to, Pharaoh. Pharaoh believes himself to be God. He has dreams, and he can interpret them. And you got to ask a Hebrew, and you got to ask his God to explain it to you? There's a whole lot of things that are about to unfold here. But before we dig in, uh, I haven't picked on my, my hometown of, of Hawk Point for a while. Hawk Point, Missouri is where I'm from. Uh, my family's been there since the 1700s. We really made an impact on this town of 400 people. And uh, we're buried all over uh, Hawk Point. There's two, or, believe it or not, two or three cemeteries in Hawk Point. But um, things, things are kind of crazy there. When you're playing, playing ball there, and I used to play baseball there, there are bats that are all around the ball field, not baseball bats, real bats. And they come because there's caves that are all around that area. And so at night, the bats all come out to feed on all the mosquitoes and the other bugs. And it's really bad. Now, I understand the mosquitoes down here are big. We just have lots of them in Missouri and flies. We have flies everywhere. We've had flies so bad we had to take a vacuum cleaner and suck them off the ceiling. That's, that's how bad the plague of flies can get. But in my hometown, we just dealt with it. When I was a kid, it wasn't a big deal. You played with bats, you played with mosquitoes, you got bit. That was just part of it. But this newer generation, they see things differently. And the other night, you know what they did? No. You, you're going to hate me. They called in the SWAT team. I really didn't think that would go, so thank you. All right, 
So we're going to pick up the story in verse 17. Pharaoh's already told the story. Nobody can interpret it. 2,000 gods, nobody can help them. So, hey, there's this kid in jail. So they're going to hastily get get Joseph. So they go drag the kid. They go drag him. Uh, he hadn't had a bath in a few years. Uh, he hadn't shaved in a few years. Uh, so they got to put some nice clothes on him because you're going to go stand before the king. And we pick up the story thusly, if you'll stand out of respect for the word of God. <clears throat> then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river there came seven cows, fat and sleek, and they gazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered, thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to all the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. The living God, very quick to point this out. The living God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not even be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it. Do you see how many times he uses God, the Lord, not the crocodiles, not the Nile, not you, the God. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt. So the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Now this is supposedly God saying this, Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You can be seated. Well, there's so many things 
How about this? He goes to bed one night, a slave, still accused of rape. He's a foreigner in a strange land. And he wakes up, and by the end of the night, he's in charge of the greatest country in the world. It's only happened once in history. Isn't that the story of the second coming of Jesus? If, you, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you need to accept Jesus today. In fact, we have a, a baptism service at 6 o'clock today uh, up at the ocean. We'll tell you about that. Uh, you can hit I've Decided there. People will help you. Uh, but, but if you're ready, what's going to happen? 1 Corinthians 15 says, In the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to break through the eastern sky, and he's going to take all of us who are his followers. We're going to leave this world, and we're going to go into God's earthly, or his heavenly kingdom. We're going to go to bed one night, and we're going to be in this world, and in a split second, all of your worries, anxieties, hurts, pains, frustrations, financial problems, all of that will be gone in an instant. Just like it was for Joseph. And I'm sure we're going to feel the same. We're going to wake up and go, what in the world just happened? I'm not miserable anymore. I'm happy. Life is good. No more anything. I'm with Jesus. How Joseph must have felt when he comes out of the prison. And now everybody, everybody in Egypt has to listen to this Hebrew boy. Are you kidding me? But let me ask you another question. God doesn't explain this to Joseph either. It, it takes me back to the book of Job. Remember the story of Job? Job suffers. Uh, his children die. He loses all of his, his animals and his crops. And, and uh, his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? God never explains to Job how this all works out. In fact, Job only gets cocky with God once. It's like in chapter 37. And he says, God, I don't get it. I've been right. I've done things right. Why in the world would you let this happen? And God starts to ask Job questions like, hey, where did the earth come from? Can you explain to me the birthing process? Can you explain to me where snow is kept? And Job comes up with this phrase. He said, I've spoken once. I've spoken twice, but I'll not speak again. Good, good plan. Job never does find out. Joseph never finds out. I mean, he knows that he's there now to protect his family. We'll get to that in the next couple of weeks. He knows that. But he's never told, why did I have to get sold into slavery? Why did I have to be in the well? Why did I have to be in prison? Those answers are never given to him. Anybody here got some questions that you've not gotten answered? Okay, have you ever thought of this? Just maybe, now this is hard, because we are so me-centric. And I suppose we were made that way. But we are so me-centric that we don't stop and think, I wonder how this could be helping somebody else. See, we can look back now 4,000 years at this story of Joseph. And we go, huh, Joseph was faithful. While he was in prison. Joseph was faithful when things were bad. And he was faithful when things were good. And God never told him. He just was faithful. Maybe I need to just learn from Joseph. Because Joseph never found out either. 
And maybe there's people watching you right now as you go through a difficult time. And you want answers and God said, what I'm looking for you is for you just to be an example. I need you to be a model for your children, your grandchildren, for somebody else that's watching you, for somebody else that's trying to decide if they're going to become a Christian. And they're watching you go through a hard time saying, let's see if they can do it the way I would do it or if they take a different approach. See, sometimes God's program is so much bigger than ours that we're so busy looking for little incidental answers that will never come. But when we stand in the presence of Jesus, will any of those questions matter? Of course not. You know, here's really where we're at in our society. It's very similar to where Joseph was with the 2,000 gods. Um, Oprah, she's not the only one that says it, but she says it loudly. Oprah says there are many ways to God. You can find that, that clip all over the internet. And every time she says it, her crowd goes crazy. Because it sounds so good. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So you get to decide whether you're going to listen to Jesus or you're going to listen to Oprah. Joseph has to decide, am I going to listen to the living God? Am I going to listen to Pharaoh? It is exactly the same. Now, I get it. Oprah sounds good. And everybody cheers for that. And if you stand up in a public forum and say Jesus is the only way, then you're going to get booed, mocked, spit on. But that's okay. The cheering does not make it true. And the spitting does not make Jesus false. Truth is still truth. So Joseph is faithful even when he's in prison. I find this fascinating. So many times, Joseph could have been unfaithful. Potiphar's wife, she sets up the affair. He could have just gone ahead with that. He could have been stealing money from Potiphar. He could have been stealing from the prison, uh, from the prisoners or the prison guards. He could have just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm sick of all of you. But he's faithful even in captivity and even in prison. It's like he sees that God may be doing something that I can't understand. Now, I don't think he's happy about it, but he still continues to be faithful to God. Too often today, something goes wrong and we go, oh, well, God doesn't care. Then I'll just go out here and I'll go do this and that and this. And then we pay some price for the crazy things that we've done. But The Bible says it's very important that when you've been given a trust, here's the passage, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Well, what is the trust we've been given? We've been given the message of Jesus. We've been given, so our job is to make sure that that message stays true and that we get it out to other people. Now, the governor of New Mexico this week, uh, I shouldn't say it, but you know I don't care, there she is. <clears throat> she, she uh, on her own, suspended the Second Amendment in Albuquerque. Now, I don't care where you stand on this. I could make a, we can cover a speech on the Second Amendment if you want. But no amendment, nothing in the Constitution allows anybody to make an authoritarian decision. 
for any reason. Can you imagine Jefferson? Jefferson and Adams are sitting around the table and they're like, you know what? These amendments are absolutely guaranteed unless there's a governor in New Mexico that doesn't like it. (laughs) Of course not. And she said, and I quote, she said, the amendments are not there to be taken literally. Uh, Oh, here, let me get it. What did she say? They're not absolute. That's what she said. They're not absolute. Really? So any one person can just decide the Constitution, any part of the Constitution. What happens when they don't like the First Amendment? Freedom of speech. Freedom to assemble. See, you can't do that. You can't do that. But I'm not here to defend the Second Amendment right now. But the same thing goes on in the church, where we say, well, the Bible's not absolute. That passage is not absolute. That part doesn't apply to my life. It applies to everybody else. When God wrote that, it it was for everybody else except me. Put yourself in a very dangerous place. Joseph was faithful even when he was in prison. But he was faithful in the good years and the bad years. So he's when he's a slave, when he's working for Potiphar, good years, he's making lots of money, he's running well. And then he runs into this story with the wife and she's trying to seduce him. But both sides, good years, bad years, he remains faithful. And I think the good years may be more difficult. I think when we're going through good times, I think sometimes it's easy to say, you know what, and I'm not picking on anybody, but I'll just tell the story. Hey, I've made a little bit of money. I can got a camper. I got a boat. Uh, I've got season tickets. I got a house in North Carolina. And it's just easier and easier to not be committed to God, to not serve, to not be in worship, to not give, because I've been blessed. Yeah, you've been blessed. So how about using it for the kingdom of God? Isaiah says, so do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you see your name anywhere in that passage? It's all God. I will, I will, I will, I will. It's all what God will do to strengthen us so that in bad times he's with us, in good times he's with us. Our job is to remain faithful to him. And Max Lucado, uh, how many of you are Max Lucado fans? You read some of Max's books. Yeah. Uh, a few hundred trillion books in print. Um, but Max is getting older now and he's very honest. And, uh, he came out recently and he told this, this story about his own life. And I'm so glad that he did because I think, I think it's, <laughs> you think there's something special about me. Some of you know me very well and you know that's not true. But some of you have ideas about other Christians, somebody that's ahead of you, or you see them, oh, I wish I could be like that. In some ways, yes, but the humanity is still real. And our our battle is to be faithful to God throughout. And Lucado tells the story. He said, "I I was known as America's pastor. And he said, every every, and I can attest to this, every sermon he wrote, they put into a book, word publishing. Every every comma that the guy wrote was copyrighted. It was crazy. He was writing children's books. He was speaking all over the country. And he said, secretly, I was falling apart. 
He said, I had heart problems, and then I started drinking. He said, I went off, I, was, I would go off by myself in a car, and I would just sit in the car and drink. Because I couldn't handle the stress. I couldn't handle the publishers. I couldn't handle all the adulation because I knew who I really was. And I'm so grateful that Max came out last week and told that story. Because more than anything, what he said is, it's okay to be human. Now, he talks about how he worked through that and got himself off of that and got himself back into a faithful relationship with God. But sometimes we've got to admit, you know what, I've got problems and it's okay. God, help me turn this story back around. But then my favorite part of the story and the hardest part is to be faithful in power. So Joseph becomes overnight laying on the floor in a prison to I am in the palace and all of the Egyptian empire answers to me. Hey, Mrs. Potter, I'd like to have a meeting with you. Hey, the wine guy, I'd like to have a meeting with you. He could have had a lot of meetings going down. Joseph doesn't do that. Even when his brothers show up, and that's going to be a major part of the story for the next two or three weeks... He could have taken revenge on his brothers for selling him into slavery, leaving him for dead, but he doesn't. He's going to be the one who saves their lives. But oftentimes, when you get into a position of power or money or prestige, it's harder at that level to be faithful to God. One of the greatest stories I ever heard, this is a true story, because it's out, it's out of Texas, it has to be true, but... A man, a man had been faithful his whole life. He had served the church. He had tithed every check he ever made. But all of a sudden, he hit it rich. And he had money beyond money. And he came to the pastor and he said, Do you know what a tithe would be on what I made this month? And he threw out some incredible number. And the pastor said, Well, that'd be you know a blessing for the church. And he said, But that, that's just too hard for me to do. And the pastor pulled the guy down to his knees, got on his knees with him, and said, Lord, please reduce his income to the point where he can be faithful to you again. And the guy's like, no, no, don't do that. But it illustrates just how hard it is as we move up to just start tipping God with our time, with our money, with our blessings, Instead of saying, you know what, God, you're still going to be the priority. You've just given me a little bit more to use, so I'm going to give you a little bit more to use. To me, the story of the week was this young girl, Coco, who won the U.S. Open. Um, Coco Goss, 19-year-old girl, won the U.S. Open. She battled depression. She was out of tennis for a couple of years because of the stress and the anxiety 19 years old, she wins the U.S. Open. This is like a story for the ages. But um, ESPN was, was overwhelmed. You know, they're a unique bunch of people there at ESPN. And they described this moment. They said, Coco is so overwhelmed that she is trying to take stock of the moment. That was their comment about this. Tony Dungy, the great uh, Super Bowl winning coach said, uh, guys, let me help you 
the, you, uh, you commentators at ESPN. She's praying. Maybe something you guys aren't used to, but she's praying. He said she's thanking the God who has blessed her life, the God who got her through those difficult times, and she's making sure that God gets first priority even when she's won. That's a great story. Second Corinthians 12, 9, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. So we have to, even in our power, understand that it's my weakness where God works the best. I'll finish with this story. All right, we'll quote this and then we'll move on. You, you can't preach. This is speaking about today's crazy preachers. You can't preach God loves you without preaching God loves you enough to ask you to turn away from sins. Preaching half-truths is not love. It might be popular, but don't call popular love. John the Baptist didn't die because he said God loves you. He died because he preached repentance. Turn back to God. And here's this, this picture of Mount St. Helens. Any of you that are old enough to remember this story. There's so many great pictures. But this one speaks so well. This guy, if you can't tell, it's a pinto. Um, when, uh, yeah, two, a couple of things blowing up maybe in that picture. But um, my wife and I had so much money that when we got married, we had two pentos. All right. I'm just letting you know that. Um, but this picture always speaks to me because this guy obviously was his motorcycle. He was going to go up, do some riding in the mountains. As he's going, Mount St. Helens blows up. I don't know whether he lived or not. I don't, never, don't know the story. But I do know the picture is of the car backing up so that he can turn around. And as I looked at the picture, here's what I thought. He didn't say, oh my gosh, the volcano can't be that dangerous. Hell can't possibly be that bad. No, when he saw that moment, he turned around and said, wherever I got to go away from that, that's where I got to go. That's what repentance is, turning away from that and turning to Jesus. So, Father, as we finish, we want to be faithful. And some of us know what it's like to be in prison. Others feel like they're in prison right now. Maybe it's because of their marriage or their divorce, or maybe it's because of a drug addiction, or maybe it's because of porn, or maybe it's because of a parent or a child. We can feel imprisoned in a whole lot of ways. God, we want to be faithful when things are good and when things are bad, and even if we make it to a good, comfortable spot, God, we still want to be like Joseph and be faithful to you. So, Lord, you work on our hearts. Those need to, who need to accept you, may this be the day of salvation. Those who need to step up and serve. Those who need to stop taking revenge and just be grateful and faithful. Lord, hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.